Welcome to the 90 Seconds to Captivate podcast. This is our second episode, and I hope you're ready for it. I ran across a quote this week by Babette Fester that perfectly sums up the aspiration for this podcast. She says, Narrative is our culture's currency. He or she who tells the best story wins. I know so many of you have a story that has happened in your life that needs to be shared. It might be funny, it might be heart-wrenching, or profound. If you haven't already, go ahead and click on the link in the description, which is our Linktree site, and you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook, and also submit a 90-second audio story from that Linktree page. This week on the podcast, I received a few submissions, and I have decided to share a few of my own stories as well. Please have a listen, and let us know what you think through social media or by leaving a voice message. As always, enjoy the stories. I just moved back to the U.S. after living abroad for a few years, and I moved into a friend's condo that was empty at the time. One morning, I wanted to make some pour-over coffee, but I didn't have an electric water kettle, so I grabbed one of the pots in the apartment and put some water in it and put it on the electric stove. I walked away, got preoccupied with something else, and about 15 or 20 minutes later, I came back to the stove and saw that the pot was glowing red hot. And, of course, all the water was gone. So I turned off the stove, put the pan onto another burner, and I should have walked away at that point just to let the pot cool down. But instead, I, in my state of shock, wanted to see what the bottom of the pan looked like to see if it was completely ruined. So I grabbed the pan and tilted it so that I could look at the bottom, and molten metal spewed out from the bottom portion of the pan onto the stove, onto the floor, uh, burning linoleum, Um, and I was left dancing around in the kitchen trying to not step on any of the molten tin um, kind of balls that were forming on the floor. Luckily, none of it hit me. I wasn't burned at all, but the kitchen was a little bit ruined, and I, of course, had a tough talk with the uh, friend, the landlord of the apartment. Back in 2004, during my high school days, we used to do the craziest shenanigans. I honestly think that the instructors and administrators weren't ready for our generation. One day in our graphic design art class, which was essentially a glorified computer lab for using Photoshop, my friends and I discovered a unique program built into Windows. It was called WinPopUp, and it did just that. It generated a pop-up and allowed us to send each other messages that we would then have to click OK to acknowledge the message. Initially, we thought it would be fun to trash talk each other, and one of us started to get pretty vulgar. By the third or fourth message, we realized it was sending a pop-up to every computer in the computer lab. This wasn't all bad because we could trash talk our classmates and we thought they couldn't figure out who sent it. Unfortunately, we learned that the pop-up will not only show the originating computer's name, but also that the pop-ups were being sent to every single computer in the entire school district. Yes, even the kindergarten computers were getting the vulgar messages trash talking someone's mom. So within 30 minutes, an administrator came up and said a certain computer sent a message and my friends and I just played dumb. We wised up from that point and started sending the messages from different computers when someone went to the bathroom and forgot to lock their computer. By the end, we were terrorizing the network with pop-ups from anonymous computers in the library. We like to call it a drive-by pop-up. That was the start of my high school experience.
My daughter was born on a unique day. You see, I got married at 19. My wife and I decided early on in our marriage that we weren't going to use any method of birth control. We thought it best to leave the decision for fertilization of an egg in the hands of God, the Creator, Supreme Being, whatever you want to call the one who looks over us. During the first few years of marriage, we actually really wanted kids if we were honest. It's not like we were trying to avoid the responsibility of kids or worried we wouldn't make great parents. The problem, though, is when time starts to extend and nothing happens, a lot of doubt starts to enter. I began wondering if I was infertile or whether my wife had some medical condition. By year five of our marriage, we had both given up on the chance of having kids, since nothing happened at all. Eventually, we decided to slow down our lifestyle during the later half of our sixth year of marriage and into our seventh year of marriage. One day, I had a weird feeling and I told my wife that I thought she was pregnant and that we were going to have a daughter. A few days later, my wife took the test and sure enough, it was positive. As the time drew close for her to have our daughter, we began wondering what day she might be born on. We had several days that we thought would be good for her to be born on, but those days came and went. Finally, the day after our wedding anniversary, my wife went into labor and our daughter was born on the first day of our eighth year of marriage, essentially the start of a new week of marriage, if you understand my analogy. Sixth grade was pretty traumatic. 9-11 happened within two months of starting school. If that wasn't bad enough, our school district announced that they were in debt $3 million. Everyone was pretty shocked that there was that large of a mishandling of finances, but the school district came up with a plan. They decided it would be easiest from a paperwork point of view to fire any teacher who joined the school district within the past three years. The list of people included our Spanish teacher and our choir teacher who drove a Firebird. We all thought she was the coolest. Between 9-11 happening and a $3 million in debt, we had a hard time dealing with all this, and so we took to the streets. Every day before school started, we would picket outside, and then some of us would keep picketing despite the announcements from the administrators that anyone who picketed would be suspended. Some people hid their picket sticks in their locker, and others put them in their backpack. It was a real grassroots movement to free the teachers who had been systematically targeted for loss of employment by a district that couldn't handle their finances appropriately. I still remember the picture as clear as day. One kid got arrested earlier in the day, and while us sixth graders were at lunch, he came running into the cafeteria and jumped up on a table with handcuffed hands yelling, FREEDOM! Everyone cheered like the cafeteria scene in Harry Potter. We felt invincible in those days. When I was a kid, I didn't understand how to be polite. One time, I invited a neighborhood kid over to the house to check out my Pokemon collection. For some reason, we thought the garage would be the best place to look at the cards and play Pokemon Red. We were both pretty amazed that I had gotten a rare card from one of those card packs people used to buy. I can't even remember which card it was all these years later, but boy did I love that card. The sad part was, once the kid had to head back home, I realized after a few minutes that the special card was missing from my collection. Frustration and anger burst out from inside and instantly I suspected and accused him of stealing the crown diamond of my collection. So in my anger, I went over to their house, rang the doorbell, and told him I needed the card back. He denied ever taking it, and when I asked him to get his parents, he said they were busy. I was very bad at being socially aware and analyzing situations at the time, 
but I also knew that I was running out of time before this card might get lost forever. Kind of like the Taken movie where Liam Nelson knows he only has a certain amount of time to find his daughter. I decided to take the more direct route and go to another neighbor's house who lived behind him and happened to have a balcony overlooking the thief's backyard. Once up there, I scanned the crowd of people down below looking for the kid's parents. I finally found them and yelled at the top of my lungs, I want my Pokemon card. You stole my Pokemon card. He lied to me, but I know he has it. I don't think our friendship was ever the same after that moment. I think the embarrassment I caused at the dinner party kind of ruined respect. Luckily though, I did get my Pokemon card back. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. I know sometimes topics can be too broad or specific and you might not know what to share. So this week I decided to tell random stories with different themes in them. If you think of any story, whether funny, sad, profound, or strange, go ahead and head over to our Linktree page that's found in the podcast description to find our social media and to record a message. If you do happen to function better with a little bit of guidance of a topic, Let's shoot for an awkward situation that you had. This can be where you were misunderstood. You realize that you pooped your underwear on the subway. And don't worry, all my farts are definitely not poop in disguise. Or it could be a time you were in another culture. Honestly, the possibilities are limitless because you are a wonderful, unique human experience. You've had stories no one else has. And even if others were with you, they interpreted the experience differently. Please take a moment to review this podcast wherever you get podcasts. Make sure to like our empty YouTube channel and click on the share button to blast this podcast to all your friends. Remember, narrative is our culture's currency and he or she who tells the best story wins.